Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. 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 One second. Why? Just my speaker settings. I adjusted them before we started, but Zoom likes changing them again. <laughs> Never gets easier. There we go. We're all set. Can you hear me okay on your end? I definitely can. Awesome. I love your studio setup, by the way. It's so Thanks. cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, a sanctuary that needs to be comfortable. So I, I try. <laughs> the tech the tech back in is what I'm kind of most proud of, but um, it's just it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ready to move this summer. And so I'll finally have the room to like set up a studio. Currently, I'm in my uh, just I just have my bedroom. So this is okay. my studio. <laughs> That's why, that's why that's why the term bedroom studio exists, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, are you ready to get started? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, here we go. Welcome to CWC. I am so excited to have you on the show to talk about your personal journey to becoming a composer and your work on Something in the Dirt and the Sundance Film Festival. Would you please introduce yourself and your project to the audience? Uh, yeah, my name is Jimmy Laval, also known as The Album Leaf, and um, I guess we'll be talking about Something in the Dirt, a film that I just scored that premiered at Sundance today. Yeah, how does it feel to finally have it premiered? Uh, great, although a little strange because it's virtual only, um, mm -hmm. so it's a little hard to kind of really like have it set in um even though i've obviously been doing a lot of press and i've been seeing the reviews i've been you know seeing um and we all kind of we all gathered together um the crew um to kind of celebrate during the time that it was um premiering um and then did the q a q a virtually and stuff like that so it's great that it's out there it's great that it's done um but a little kind of anticlimactic i guess if you will and also a little it's just so weird because you're just sitting here and you're like, is it out? I guess it's out. Yeah, cool. Like people saw it. I think so. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like there were people in the audience. Yeah, who saw it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so yeah, but it feels good. It feels really good. Awesome. When, so now that it's premiered, let's flash backwards to when this film was first brought to you. How did you feel when it was pitched? What were your initial thoughts? Well, this is my fourth film with the filmmakers. Um, so always, no matter what, when they reach out um, and they say, hey, we've got a new project. I'm just like, yeah, of course, I'm on. You know, like <laughs> um, it goes without saying that I'll always, you know, jump onto the film. And then I guess the first reaction is, is mostly, you know, they don't tell me much. They'll just send me the script. Um, and then I read the script and I'm always, um, you know, I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised with what, what Justin writes, what's he, what he comes up with, what the, what the, the narrative is and, and what the storyline is and, and the twists and the turns and the, you know, the rabbit holes that they go down in, in, um, in their films. Um, and it's always new and it's always fresh. Um, so I'm always surprised by it. I'm always impressed. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I got the script in September of 2020, um, and then I got picture in July of 2021. So it, it wow. was, yeah. 
Did you do any actual composing before you had the picture or did you get to start writing right when you got the script? Yeah, I did. I, 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 I got the script, um, kind of sat on it for a while, thought about, um, and the interesting thing too that I should always add is that like I get their scripts, I read it, and even though this is my fourth film with them, you know, I'm always surprised when I get picture. I'm just like, that's not what I was picturing at all. Like, you know, <laughs> so that's always another thing where like I'm so inspired by picture when I'm scoring, um, and I'm less inspired by, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm less inspired by story, but I'm less inspired by words, and I'm more inspired by picture. Um, so when I see the pictures, when I kind of really start to kind of cut my teeth and, and start to get dig in. Um, and that's because I score two picture, you know, I like to hit cuts, I like to hit, you know, I like to have everything be synced. Um, and so the first initial ideas that I had, um, I laid down, a, a you know, I, I think I had like 10 or 12 pieces of music that I sent their way. Um, but the first initial idea that I had, I sent to them. Um, and it was just this synth patch that I just created. And, um, um, and they loved it. And they said, this is great. Um, and so that made its way into the temp cut uh, or into their, into their cut um, that, that, I would, that I saw. And, but it was also kind of riddled with, you know, a ton of temp tracks, as we all know. And so mm -hmm. I kind of hit in, and, and the thing that they were using was this Philip Morris, um, or sorry, Philip Glass Errol Morris um, piece of music underneath their um, theorizing um, segments, which the theorizing segments are, you know, basically this whole film is basically, you know, them going down the rabbit hole and theorizing and trying to figure out what's happening. Um, <laughs> so um, I knew I had to come up with that motif and that literally like stunted me and just stumped me for about a month and a half. And I just couldn't come up with anything because I was trying to chase this Philip Glass tune, um, this Philip Glass cue. And oddly enough, I just kind of circled back around and used used this original piece of music that I created um, and was able to kind of break it down and recreate it and, and re-envision re it and have it go in different directions and, um, you know, add more things to it. And, um, and yeah, that's really kind of when the score finally kind of came together. That's cool. So that motif ended up being your original idea? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So. Take that, Philip Glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, but yes, take that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've done my music history homework. I, I've written my essay on um what was it, Metamorphosis 2. I, I can do this. Right. Say that. <laughs> uh well that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, when I was talking with uh, Andrew from your PR team, he was talking about how you really wanted to create an addictive feeling with this music, kind of with that motif along with it. What did this mean to you as you were going through the process psychologically and musically? And remember, this podcast is meant to be listened to by composers and musicians, so you can get as in-depth as you want. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, so I create, I created this, um, this, let's see, I mean, I'll just give you a little snip right now. Yeah. It was, you know, I created this. And it's like this. 
just holding one note, right? So it's good. It's on its own kind of loop. And if I, if I add another note to it, um, out of rhythm, it'll, it'll be out of rhythm. So. So like I kind of came across that, um, and 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 I thought that, you know, that was that was the first piece of music that I wrote like based on the script, and and something that is clear in the script is this kind of like they discover it, then they leave, but they want it, but they make these plans like oh let's come back oh let's come back so they're kind of they're really like just like and you know addicted to this this, 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 whatever is happening in the place, you know, they're just like, oh my God, I got we gotta figure this out, we gotta figure this out. And they kind of like keep trying to get it. There's like all these comedy, comedy of errors as far as like how they're trying to film it and capture it. Um, so they're truly just, you know, it's just, it's, it just encompasses all of them and they're just really kind of like fall into it and they're really addicted to it. So there was that. And there's also the push and pull between the two characters. So I felt like that movement of sounds within that single synth patch is also kind of just you know pushing and pulling from itself the entire time um and it was by accident that i kind of you know created this sound i just was you know utilizing like a new feature that, that this keyboard has which is looping envelopes <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it just kind of was just like kind of you know i just fell into it and um the other piece that was inspiring to me by the script was that i kind you know as we know, they're like, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to solve this mystery. They're trying to solve this riddle. They're going down all these different paths. Um, so somehow that kind of um, also made me think of like old Hollywood noir films and, you know, kind of like detective things and, you know, not like, you know, trench coats and like top hats and cigars and magnifying glasses or anything like that, but just kind of like, you know, thinking about like old Hollywood, you know, noir, um, like kind of just detective style stuff, you know, just trying to you know and so i i wanted to draw inspiration from um noir scores and all of these things were just ideas and then also like for some reason i wanted to do it all in vocals because i heard this one song that um is uh it's called siren song i forget who the artist is but it's basically a british choral um um group that's performing this song and it's beautiful and it's haunting and it's just like so I thought like, how cool would it be to do like an entirely vocal score, just all choral. Um, and I initially, that was my first pitch to them after reading the script. I'm like, oh, so I was thinking, what if we did this? And they're like, oh, okay, that's, I love it. Cause they're really also drawn to, vo to voices. Um, all of our films, we've utilized voices um, and vocals. Um, anyhow, so over that piece, I just added, you know, some simple choral pads, um, just kind of like, you know, it's, Spitfire's got a great library that has kind of a, a handful of different articulations um, that, you know, the voices are doing different things. And so it's kind of, it's a great writing tool. Um, and yeah, that was kind of just like, I just felt that that really supported the, you know, kind of the underlying message and the underlying tones that we were feeling watching these two characters kind of compete with each other, addicted to the same thing, trying to outdo each other, um, you know, being mean to each other, or just like, try, you know, I don't know. And yeah, I don't know, this just kind of fell in place and made sense to me. 
it made sense to them too, apparently. So <laughs> I think that bite you have in the articulation of the track really adds to that kind of outdoingness of each other and it has a very aggressive push to it. Yeah. It's like forward motion is, you know, that sound is always moving forward. <laughs> Well, as you just showed us, you are pretty experienced with, you know, using synths in your background. You've also done strings and, as you said, vocals. But with this score, you kind of venture out of your comfort space and start using woodwinds. I have to say, I personally love the use of bass clarinet because it is, in my opinion, the best clarinet. Clarinet performance is technically the emphasis under my degree. Um, so what was your personal process like with learning to use this um, different form of orchestration than you're usually accustomed to? And did you get to work with um, real life musicians as you went about this, like getting to ask about their instruments and whatnot? Yeah, so I, I typically always work with um, live players, um, never full orchestras or anything like that, but just like single performances, single players. Um, so going back to that Philip Morris cue, there was a flute in that Philip Morris cue. And I did think that that was a kind of a cool, different instrument to kind of use. Um, so it was first it started with the flute um, to kind of use um, throughout the film as a, just a new voice for me, something that's new and out of my comfort zone. Um, and it also ended up being kind of the supporting narrative for Levi, the character of Levi, um, and kind of his like optimistic, whimsical, like really kind of, you know, optimistic view on life and and having these like hopes and dreams and things that he wants to accomplish and he's just really cheerful and he's you know um anyhow excuse me the violinist that i always work with um or that i have worked with in my last probably three films um and also plays with me in my in, in the album leaf um his name is jake falby um he's local here in LA. I live in LA and he's, he's there here in LA. And he's also involved in kind of like the, you know, like he, he's, I don't know, Kanye West needs a orchestra. Right. And so he gets a phone call to be a part of that orchestra or Adele, like he played, he played in that Adele performance, whatever. Um, so he's got a Rolodex of players, you know, he's a really good resource. And I wanted a, a wind player. Um, I wanted to use like bass, I specifically bass clarinets. Um, and clarinet, yeah, um, I grew up actually playing clarinet in middle school. Um, and uh, um, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Um, so anyway, so he basically recommended this woman. Her name is Haley Niswanger, and she is incredible. And I, he sent me her Instagram um, page, and I went to it, and and she's just maybe the she. I was like, is she good? um before he sent it and he's like uh, and i said is she good and he's like she's the best i've ever heard and i was just like okay so i went and checked it out and i was just sure enough i mean she's just incredible she's an incredible player um so i reached out to her um and basically what i did the way that i worked with her because it was virtual um or remote the way that i worked with her was i sent her i think five cues and i stemmed them out um and she went through and she basically just matched them all you know, played um, played the motifs on 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 bass clarinet, on clarinet, and on and on flute, and then she also embellished and she also improvised, and that's something that I ask of everyone that I that I ever work with is to do. You know, Jake the same thing, the violinist. I gave him the gave him the score. He went through. I said, you know, 
I, there's a, there's a handful of things that I, that I always want them to hit, you know, just like accenting, you know, or playing along with this melody or, or doubling it or creating just like beds, you know? Um, but I also am very, you know, encouraged. I encourage them to be as is improvised as much as possible. Um, and so that also kind of informs the, the, the end result. Um, but in the instance of wins, um, and both of them really, I mean, I take things that they do and I'm able to then, you know, I, I, my background also, I'm very hands-on producing and, and editing. And so I do a lot of sound manipulation behind the scenes and I'll take, you know, performances and just kind of utilize their parts and move them other places, put, put them into this queue and cut the times and like tune it and, you know, do, do all that kind of stuff um, and move things around. So, you know, I've always been wanting to use wins. I've always been wanting to do something different for myself to keep it interesting. And I think that, she, you know, she's, she's, it was a great, it was a great choice. And I think that it also supports, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it supports like the ridiculousness of some of the scenes that are happening. It just like really pushes that, or, you know, it just gives it that little more, just like that more push of just kind of almost making fun of the character, you know, and like there's a certain scene where, John is like explaining something and he's, and he's and he's being filmed and he's talking in a fake accent. He doesn't realize it. And, you know, he's sounding really know-it-all and he's trying to be really prim and proper. And I converted our main motif um, into the wind version of it, essentially. And it just really just, you know, just a lot of staccato and just, you know, it's just, it's, it's really great. <laughs> I don't know if you are somebody that's on TikTok, but on TikTok, there is this trend of how to make any movie theme quirky, and it's to have the entire orchestra do staccato umkat while oh. you give the clarinet and or bass clarinet the melody. <laughs> and they've been doing it to like the Avengers, everything from Star Wars, and I think it's just hilarious. I, that sounds hilarious. I'm not on TikTok, but I will search that because that is, that's worth it. That's worth it to me. It's kind of like mm -hmm. the shreds videos. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, like with these like performances of bands and they just redub them and they're, and they are done with like, you know, electronic drums and, and really terrible. It's just really funny playing bad notes on that on purpose. And yeah. This past summer, I got to work on a short film with Western Meadowlark and the director gave me this cue and he's like, I just want it to sound really pranky and I was like pranky that's an interesting adjective so what I did was I went and watched a bunch of new girl um when there's this character named Winston Bishop who always is trying to pull pranks on his nice research roommates yeah. and I realized they do that same thing they have a guitar do umkas and then have a clarinet just do a really staccato melody. That's funny. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's so number one, that's great research. And number two, comedies are definitely well, probably the most difficult to score, in my opinion. Um, it's really a hard thing to do. Um, and the next time, if I do a comedy, I'm definitely going to reach out to the person. <laughs> <to my> play. <laughs> yes. That is the bass also can 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 be can be a good um, a good uh, comedic element. You know, they always said the clarinets were the quirky ones, and I thought they were just making fun of us that played it, but they're <laughs> not wrong. 
on either side of that coin. Right, right. I This that comes from my own curiosity, and I'm sure from other clarinetists who are listening to this, why did you stop playing clarinet? Um, I, I actually know exactly why. For some reason, um, the taste of the reed hurt, uh, made my stomach hurt. And really? When I was in middle school, I just kind of started to, because to, I played violin in orchestra and I played clarinet in band. Um, and the taste of the reed started to um, make my stomach hurt, just as the violin um, bow just was like nails on the chalkboard for me. Um, and so I stopped both and moved to the drum section and then be, went on a path of, you know, I was, I was drum captain in high school and center snare in my sophomore year, et cetera. And, and uh, so it, it was my path, but, um, but yeah, but I, but now I really am inspired to play the clarinet again. Um, and I'm also inspired. I, I also wasn't a, a forever sax hater. I don't know why, but I just never liked the saxophone. I never liked the tone of it, the sound of it. Um, until recently, I've just kind of re-fallen in love with it. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, context, just like you're saying, you know, like if you use a clarinet in a quirky way, it's like you kind of associate, you know, a clarinet with being a comedic thing. But if you, you, you like a bass clarinet, bass clarinet drone three reverb is like, just like mind boggling. It's just, you know, so full and rich um, and just really great, a really great tone, really great sound. And I think I came across a certain sax player named Sam Gindle, um, who also just made me fall in love with the sax. It's just like playing a sax, you don't really know. You forget that it's a sax just because of the context, you know? Absolutely. I think finding the right player is a huge key to finding the music you like for that instrument. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was in middle school and high school, I actually thought percussion, just like percussion ensemble was like the dumbest thing. I was like, this is only good for DCI. And then I got to college and I encountered my first steel band and first like actually like full percussion ensemble. And I was like, oh dang, this is actually really cool. Yeah, totally, totally. I and now I mostly out, write for percussion. Out, yeah, I started out on fourth bass drum. So I, I, I worked my way up. I was, I was just the, the, the downbeat, you know, that's just one, two, three, four one two three four one that's like all I, all I had to do um but i was in I mean, sixth carrying grade. the four, carrying yeah. the fourth bass drum is already a major accomplishment right <laughs> i didn't march it at that time i was only doing the drum line the, the performance like the ensemble um but i marched i marched the clarinet nice i also marched the clarinet but my marching days are gone probably right. for the best right i have enough to practice <laughs> Uh, so as you've made your way from clarinetist slash percussionist slash violinist to album leaf to now composer, how, we kind of touched on this earlier, but how do you go about bringing your musical ideas to the screen? You kind of mentioned like, you know, you get the script, start some sketching and then score to picture and then production. Are there any other parts in there that you think are really beneficial to you and are beneficial for other composers trying to figure out their process? Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing in that that I would add to that is, um, you know, the collaboration with the directors and, and getting their feedback and getting their, um, 
because I that's 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 you know as an artist you know as the album leaf as someone who's released records and and toured and played shows and you know etc 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 um kind of been like the um the, the focus of attention right um obviously when you're hired on to score a film you're supporting someone else's vision and you're and you're trying to you know create a storyline and and something music to 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 support their story um and the collaboration with your director is extremely important and in this case with something in the dirt and the, in these particular filmmakers it's our fourth fourth collaboration together um and they're always extremely important to my end result um you know whether it's just <clears throat> me having an idea and being you know taking the chance and doing something that i think is odd or like not going to work or is you know left you know left left of center or something like that um and they're just like oh that's great you know it's kind of like the, the just just the collaboration of the two and and also just the way that I do score to picture, you know, they have, they see other things that I don't see. Uh, like, like, Oh, drop it right here. And then you all of a sudden you see this like minor cut or this minor thing that you didn't really notice. And it's just like, Oh, look, power of music is really, you know, power of the score is really, is, can be, can be really, can be really big. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I strayed from your original question. Um, That's okay. Yeah. The podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but I think experimentation is maybe like maybe the most, and also I mean, there's so many different approaches of scoring um, because there's the individual. I mean, there's like the traditional sense of scoring, right? Someone who sits down and they kind of like write for an orchestra or they write for an ensemble or something like that, and they and they, you know, chart things out and they kind of just have it all in their head and then they go to, they go to get it recorded. Um, and now I think the emergence of um, artists um, such as myself um, or like, you know, Colin Stetson or, you know, uh, Bobby Krillick, Hacks and Cloak, um, One of Tricks Point Never, Daniel Lapatin, you know, like a lot of these um, kind of, um, musicians that are known as being artists and releasing records are now scoring film and scoring it in the context of like, you know, we're multi-instrumentalists and we kind of sit in our, in our, in our, in our studios and, and create, you know, what you hear um, without the help of, you know, or without it being, you know, an orchestration or something like that. Um, and I guess that's where the process of experimentation comes in and, and just being able to experiment and like try things and, and, um, I don't know, effects and, and manipulation and, and, you know, I think there's just, I think it's an exciting time for scoring. That's, that's I, I, I've really been impressed in the last 10 years and I'm really excited for, you know, this shift away from the traditional film score. Um, it's kind of been, been the trend, you know, we're away from like the, the, the worlds of like, um, you know, like John Williams and, and you know, I mean, he's great. Obviously, I mean, they're, they're you know, mm -hmm. Bernard Herrmann. Of course, they're the they're they're you know fantastic um, composers. But I'm just really excited about everyone that is. There's just a lot of really exciting composing, you know, happening with with people that are have a band a background in being in a band, you know, or being an artist or or making records. Um, oh yeah, 
Yeah. I I have to say that when you know the Mandalorian came out and we started off with a bass recorder, I was like, oh, we are not in Kansas anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, you're in Nebraska, but it's, it's close. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, um, they're basically the same. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've spent time. It's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and he, he's, he's one of my favorite composers um, right now too. He's, he's, he is always, he's it's a good example because he's not necessarily, I don't think he, I don't think Ludwig was in a band i'm not sure about his exact background but i do know that he has a producer's hat and he wore a, wore a producer's hat with uh you know childish gambino and made a lot of records um and then kind of started to score films and um and that collaboration i think was um born in college with um what's the film the director's ryan um his last name anyhow um they met in college and they they started with fruitvale station i think it was or something like that and then just kind of move and have now they're doing what they're doing and 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 ludwig is also like yeah he's doing the mandalorian that's incredible for someone like that to fill you know basically fill what is expected of john williams you know that's that's what it's associated with i think it's just yeah he's one of my favorite favorite composers now and he's really doing new things and he's yeah the bass recorder just like you said um the black panther score i think is incredible um a lot of utilization of you know native instrumentation that you know is works perfectly with that film um but also tenant um he he's he's of the mind of experimentation where he grabs things he samples things um, turns those things into instruments. I do that a lot, you know, or to take found sounds and, and things that are happening around, record them, um, loop it in a way, pitch it, and send it through a bunch of effects, and all of a sudden I've made a new synth sound or something, you know, so I, or a new texture. And and um, I think that kind of experimentation is 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 important in, in, in modern film scoring. It depends on the film, obviously, but, you know, because there are still the films that, you know, need that piano string <laughs> um score yeah absolutely i would say that that experimentation that i've learned from film scoring is the biggest thing that i've taken from film scoring and started applying it to my contemporary composing as well last year i did a piece for steel pan that had lots of found sounds in it, it was an electroacoustic piece and getting to use that form of storytelling and using found sounds to create the environment really pushed me with seeing how I could change the medium. And now I'm building a digital instrument patch to be played at my recital that's going to be built completely out of found sounds that I then, you know, take into the computer and completely destroy. <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, that's just that's just so cool because I I I I. I graduated in 1996 and I, and I went to um, one, um, I started off in, in City College, like I was, I was, you know, trying to go down the path and, and um, get into, you know, um, I was interested in pursuing music in college. Um, and when I took, I took a jazz class and I took an electronic music class. And this electronic music class was, all it was, was just learning how to program this like total, totally now obsolete archaic drum machine. Um, and like now, I think it's just so cool and exciting with with music schools and, and classes of like, you know, creating something like that or creating something digital, designing instrument instruments from, from with Macs or 
uh, you know, all, just a, a lot of things. I think it's just so it's just so cool and so 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 exciting to 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 basically, you know, be used in the years to come. I just I just I, I think it's really refreshing. Are there any skills you feel like you have kind of honed or gained through film scoring that have affected your other musical work? I mean, I think I've always had a sense of tone and a sense of atmosphere and space. Um, and I think that was what lended myself to film scoring in the first place. Um, I feel less, um, I like the fact that when I'm scoring films, I'm less, I'm less precious about a sound, um, about, um, about like, a, for instance, with Album Leaf, I feel like I, I, even though I've been making records and releasing records underneath Album Leaf for, you know, over 20 years, um, and I've evolved in, in, in my production and in my instrumentation and what I use, and, but I still feel like I have like a tone, you know, there's still a sound that I have even if I'm changing things. Um, and I think that translates into my film scoring. I do have a tone, I do have a sense, but I'm also, I also feel like I have a, you know, uh, a, a, like a vibe that, uh, that, I'm, that I'm not, that I don't tip, I, that I don't do an album. Um, like I'm able to be a little more raw. And I think that's sort of like the collaboration with a director or with a film, it's like you're scoring for that. And that's what I enjoy about film scoring. Um, in general is that you're just always creating you're always writing it's like it's, you're, you're 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 writing something all the time um you're not just like have written something like when i make a record it's like i've written this record and now i'm just sitting here for six months or whatever it is and i'm working on this song you know trying to finish this song um whereas you score a film all of a sudden you've you know written an hour's worth of music um and it's just its own little journey and it's and it's more cohesive probably than any record you've ever released or something like that because it's you know supporting a story and telling something um i think if anything if i've what i've learned is maybe i don't know i don't know how i ch I, I think I, I think i keep the two pretty separate <laughs> but they definitely, okay. they definitely communicate with each other i mean i, de I definitely think that it's just um yeah, they inform each other. I think they, they definitely, you know, scratch each other's back in some way. <laughs> All right. Well, before I hit the last question, I want to tell you and our audience something really cool that came out of the pre-production of this interview. Right. So when I get ready for an interview, I, you know, I go into my social media stalking mode. I look people up on social media. I look them up on Wikipedia. I do all that stuff. And when I first looked you up on Wikipedia, I go to the album leaf on Wikipedia and it says music project founded by uh, James Lavelle. So I go, I click on that guy. I click on the link in Wikipedia and it brings up this other musician named James Lavelle. And at first I was like, oh, I should ask him why he's wearing these hats in every photo. But then I start comparing the photos to your to social media and to the album leaf's actual website. And I'm like, this is not, the same person i am convinced it is not the same person this isn't right i'm like and the album leaf isn't even on this james lavelle wikipedia page so i wrote wikipedia of like i think this is wrong and as of today it is updated and it specifically says not to be confused with uh -huh. james lavelle 
Nice. Nice. And so it has been corrected and I was saved from awkwardly asking you about all these random hats that you do not wear, <laughs> at least not in public. The thing is, is it's, so it's, um, it is, it is, um, uh, oh, right now, now, now I see it. Um, it's the last name spell. I, I don't have, we don't, we have different, our, our last names are spelled differently. And it's a common mistake. It happens all the time. It just happened today. There was a press release of um, new music that just came out from the score. It was just, it, it, you know, this this website premiered a queue and they misspelled my last name. Um, L-A-V, capital V-E-L-L-E. And it's V-A-L-L-E. And um, yeah, ever since the, because this guy, James Lavelle, um, who makes music under the moniker Uncle, um, the British electronic musician um, has been making records um, since before I was making, or before I kind of came into the public eye, I guess. Um, and so he had it up on me before, and um, now it's I've paved my way, and I'm not, you know, it's, it's typically not con not confused anymore. But it's not the first time that it's happened. It happens uh, pretty regularly, but it's a pretty sweet hat. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're not michael jordan i know you're not one of the million people named michael jordan i know that's true you have to like use an initial all the time you know <laughs> me or maybe just to increase confusion next time you go to a convention or something you should find yourself one of those hats right <laughs> and just increase the confusion <laughs> For all my YouTube watchers, I'll put a picture of this other James right here so you can see the hat that I'm talking about. Nice. <laughs> um, and so kind of spitting off that, I like to do a fun question at the end of the interview. What would you like to be the first thing that comes up when somebody Googles you? Oh. Um, well, I well. What does that entail? I guess I would like to, I guess I would like, um, I guess when you Google me, the album comes up, obviously. Um, some photos come up. I just think I would like an association with, um, with maybe a, with, a, with a synthesizer. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, everybody's put in a box and like your, 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 your music is genreed, um, even if you don't agree with it. Um, you know, I, I, my music is genreed or, or labeled as something that I just can't absolutely can't stand. Um, and I, and I, and I don't like the style of music that my music is labeled as. And I don't think, and I know that I don't make that music, but it is a box. So I'm, I'm like put in that box. Um, so yeah, I think I'll just, I don't know. What did I, Yeah, I don't know. Like, search my name. Maybe a, a a recent photo comes up, and it says that I am a composer that utilizes synthesizers or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough. Well, kind of go. Kind of going off of like having a synth attached to your name, would you ever like to like, you know, team up with Spitfire and distribute you all, your own like instrument library of synths? Um, I can't speak to that actually right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I would. I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I, I, I do. I, Turns I out you to... secretly work for East West. <laughs> um, I have, um, you know, I've been doing, I, 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 I do work with brands and I do um, do patch design um, and, and sound and sound designs. Um, I also did the sound design for Beats headphones. Um, you know, when you put on the headphone and it connects to your phone, that sound I made. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. That should be what pops up when somebody Googles no, you. I, I, I never, the Beats headphone sound. No, I never publicly announced it. Um, I don't know why, I just never did. And then it came out and then I was just kind of like, this This process took so long that I can't, you know, I just kind of, I don't know, I was moved on. And then um, but I just did another round of sounds for, for some more products that they're working on, I guess. And, um, but yeah, and then I've done, you know, I worked closely with um, with other brands and done, you know, presets and patches and things like that too so um it's that's the nerdy side of of music that i love like just love that stuff you know i love to i love to design sounds and that's partly what i love about film scoring too because i'm always creating a patch from scratch um to i'm always trying to find that sound of like what's what's my sound going to be for this for this film um so yeah it's fun that's fun yeah, with what you said about being stuck in a box, um, one of my favorite quotes from my freshman year of college that I got from my composition professor, Dr. Greg Simon, is you don't come up with your genre or style. That's something musicologists figure out after you're dead. I think that's one of my favorite quotes regarding stuff like that. No, and that's what, what's funny too, is that like, you know, I, I feel like the music I make, um, you know, I could say that I make electronic music, but you know, how, how, what, what, kind of umbrella is that you know that's just like like oh do you like am i gonna hear you in the club like no you're not gonna you know, or you know something like that you know it's like i, I make electronic music they like, they think is it dance music is it this music is it that music you know so often when i'm asked what kind of music i make uh and, and my my wife just cracks up every time because she knows i'm just gonna be like oh well you uh, it's kind of like uh you uh, you know and i just don't really know i don't really have my elevator pitch like down of like this is what i do um but maybe i after i pass away that um you know it, it'll be found for me and and, and <laughs> struggle will be done <laughs> exactly and then my kids can say oh my dad made blah blah blah, blah kind of music so. when my family asks me at almost every family reunion i say i just write new music to tell stories nice. I, that's my blanket statement Right. And then they're just too confused by the statement to like keep questioning. Me. That's, that's also another good approach. Maybe I'll just do that. Just like just a total left field. Like they're like, what? Okay. I have no idea. What you, I don't Okay. <laughs> the key is to make them too confused to want to know more. Right. All right. Well, last question. This is one last serious question. What is a piece of advice you have for any musicians listening to this podcast right now as they go about starting their own careers? This is season three of this podcast. So people that have been going through college with me are about ready to graduate, just like I am. Yeah, congrats. Um, well, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm asked this a lot and I can go down rabbit holes um, about it um, because I, I came up in a different time period and things were, you know, it was easier to be on tour all the time. It was easier to 
just, you know, fall into different circuits or, or, or communities, I guess. Um, now I feel like it's really difficult, especially to stand out, um, you know, because it's so saturated and, and, and everyone has tools. Um, everyone has a bedroom studio and those bedroom studios produce magic. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You're it's, it's, there's nobody, basically no one is, is, is limited by, um, you know, by the equipment anymore. Like it's all, it's all available to make beautiful scores. Um, so I feel like, you know, finding your own voice, sticking with your own voice, having confidence to stick, stand behind your voice, um, in, 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 in what it is you want to do in, in scoring. Um, I think that's important to stand out, um, you know, amongst others, just to like find your own unique self and your own unique voice in your, in your sound. Um, I don't know, an example of that, say like Johnny Greenwood, for example, right? Like mm -hmm. he uses piano strings, the same kind of formula that has been used repeatedly through the centuries of, and, and you know, but has found a completely new way and a completely new voice and a completely new, you know, approach um, and delivery of those things. So I think, you know, being able to just, and that's finding your voice doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I'm only going to use a bass recorder, right? <laughs> it's just like, you know, how you, how you present. Um, I think that is important. I think your networking is important. I think putting yourself out there, um, casting a wide net, cold emailing people. Maybe there's a composer that you love and appreciate and you admire the way that they are and, you know, email them, ask them if they need studio help, ask them if they need someone to, I don't know, patch, repatch their studio. I don't know, just, you know, get kind of get your foot in there in some way or another. Um, and work your way up there and kind of gain their trust maybe i don't know but i think taking those chances and 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 just putting yourself out there um staying true to yourself the entire way through um is is you know gonna gonna speak volumes well thank you so much jimmy